I really do hope everybody's having a good holiday season so far. Okay, so before we begin, let's talk about self-esteem. Self-esteem is a hard one for me to talk about because one of my triggers, one of the biggest things with me is not being believed. If especially you ask me a question or you want something from me and you say as much and then I try and give it to you and then you disbelieve me, I, I get triggered by it. And that's not on you. That's on me and I'm learning, I'm learning how to work through it as I have been for a while. However, what I wanted to talk about today is my relationship with self-esteem and why, again, I began with that preferences. If there's one thing that people come to me for advice on or if there's one thing that people want to mimic me about or, or think that I have a secret, it's confidence. And a lot of people think that that confidence has historically uh, come from self-esteem, from a well of self-esteem. And it hasn't, historically speaking. In my personal history, I have had horrible, horrible, horrible low self-esteem. In my personal history, uh, not, not to get too deep before we have a good time tonight uh, at the live show, uh, I, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to get into a little bit of my personal stuff, and if you don't know about it, I've got some demons. As I have tried to tell women who have been interested in dating me, the line I've been using casually for about 15 years now is, do you think that I developed this personality on accident or because I had to? And if that got a smile, then I knew that she was probably at least a little bit fun. So historically speaking, I didn't have a lot of self-esteem. But self-esteem and confidence are two very different things. Someone can have all the confidence in the world that they can do something the best. They can believe in their heart and soul that they are the best. And so today I'm going to talk about the best goldsmith in the world. You don't know their name, and nobody does. The best goldsmith in the world has never entered a goldsmithing competition. They have learned how to smith, and they know it quite well, and they know how to pour and shape the very soft and pliable metal. They know how to make it intricate. They know how to make it exact. They know how to braid and weave with it, like magic. And they know they know how to do it, because they taught themselves. They proved it to themselves. They showed it to themselves. The greatest goldsmith in the world has absolute confidence in their goldsmithing ability, but no self-esteem, or not enough, to prove it to anyone else. The goldsmith, in this particular analogy, doesn't have the wherewithal. They can't imagine winning a competition. They can't imagine losing. They want to wait until something is perfect. They try again and again. Small things, big things in between. Gold made, gold melted down, gold reshaped over and over and over again. A precious thing 
just enough. Just enough for the shaper, for the goldsmith, to meld and form over and over again. But never enough confidence to put it into the world. To be judged, to get accolade, to get defeated, any of the rest. As I said before, this is an analogy, but it's also not. Because Emily Dickinson was the goldsmith. She didn't do it with the gold, of course. She did it with poetry. She did it with poems. She never, ever submitted one over the entire course of her life. All of her gold was posthumous. She never entered the competitions. She could very well have won them. She could have been the best poet alive. People thought she was the best poet dead for about 50 years after. She may not have known, though, but she must have had some confidence because she talked about it over and over again, her ability with words. And an artist, a writer, a poet, a creative, they can take a story and break it down and put it back together again and again and again, and she surely did. Thousands of poems to her name as I understand it. So what's the difference between me and her? We're both wretches, and we both lived like monks, so I've often wondered it. There's not a lot of famous monks, you know, and there's not a lot of famous monks who make their money being famous monks. So I thought about her a lot. The difference being is that I'm actively trying to make my money being a monk. But some days still, even in this house where I feel much, much better, even where I do not have the PTSD episodes, even as my confidence increases, even as I make it to the gym more and more, even as I cook from fresher and more raw ingredients more frequently, even as, even as, even as, some days, some weeks, I don't leave the house. Some weeks. Still. It's just who I am. It's just how I function. And the idea of somebody here with me, who it's just too much. Even if they were quiet like a mouse, even if they worked 50 hours a week, even, even if, even, even if. Could I do it? Of course. Standing on my head, if I had to. But the idea, the idea of sharing this space hearing noises when I'm recharging, making way for someone, considering them, cleaning up so they don't have to see the mess in the morning when I don't mind, and I'm more than happy to only clean, clean twice or three times a week efficiently. When I, when I think about these things, I have such little confidence because all I want to be is good to someone, for them. All I want is to get the good parts of them in return. That's not how it works. That's not very adult. <clears throat> and so I don't have the confidence. The confidence to really, really let myself fall for somebody right now. And... I'm too in love with my own stuff, my own shit, my own ego, my own project, 
to really devote myself to someone. They'd have to play second fiddle. And I, I don't want a sex mommy or a sex partner. Not right now. Thank you. Long winding road to talk about arenas in which I'm confident and arenas in which I'm not. And again, a lot of contemplation about being the monk. Like her. Hmm. So what did I take away from her when I read the biographies? What did I take away as I really contemplated her and her life and her ability that she never shared? What's the difference? What's the difference between me and every sap with low self-esteem who could never, ever do it? Everybody who comes to me with the question, whether they be timid or already established or establishing themselves on this stage, everybody who asks, how do you do it? Like I'm going to give them a magic spell. So here's my answer, and here's why I'm trying to give it to you, to the best of my ability. Why do I have confidence? Why have I built self-esteem? Why can I do it, and how can you? Here it is, brief as I can make it. Ready? Deep breath. Long time ago, I accepted that everything I did was going to be at least a little bit wrong. And there was a lot of power in that. And it annoyed the shit out of people because it took place in little ways, not correcting spelling mistakes, not putting my hair back into place at every gust of wind, not having unkempt hair, but on a windy day, letting the wind win it, as it were. Because why not? And sometime after that, fairly young still, I decided Every single day, what you do, what you choose, is who you are. The rest of it doesn't mean shit. It's what you choose. Every day, the actions you choose, that's who you are. Whatever you do today, whatever you do for the next six months, that's who you're going to be. It's not the thoughts. It's not the feelings. It's your choices. This was flawed, or at the very least... Mm, thinking that lacked nuance. And I've gained a lot of perspective since then. But it has served me very well. And the lessons from it that I want to give to you are that there are periods in your life where you felt better about yourself than you do now. Even if they were harder. Or even if more was against you. And there were periods in your life where you've had too much coming at you, but you felt like you were rising above. I have no idea what the difference between those two is. You're you. I'm not you. I can't imagine. But I know that you felt that way. The difference between me and you, I think, if you're still struggling with that loop of success and failure, the one that you see me go through, however shambling or however <laughs> inartfully that I do it, the difference is, is that I reward myself at the end either way. That's it. I think so. The difference is, is after I make my attempt and I think that I made a good choice, I say, hey, good choice. This hurts. This sucks. If it does. 
You made your bet. Good choice. Proud of you. Get him next time. That's it. I really do. At the end of the day, I think my shambling dumbass cycle is exactly the same as anybody who comes up to me asking about that question. The only difference is I acknowledge that it hurts. But instead of saying you dumb dumb, instead of saying you dumb dumb, or instead of saying, well, I'll never do that again, or instead of saying, ow, it hurts, it hurts, I make a choice. At the end, I debrief myself like I'm an agent, like I'm the shittiest, most worthless agent in the Mindhunter universe, and instead of serial killers, they have me talking to, like, I don't know, Gabby seven-year-olds? I'm trying to figure out Gabby seven-year-olds? Like, why are they so Gabby, these seven-year-olds? That's the Mindhunter mission that I'm on. But I legitimately wanted to give that to you. Because if you're looking for a secret, as far as I can tell, that's it. I look at my friends. I look at the people who are close to me. I look at them try and fail. I look at them when they're rising above, when they think they're rising above, when I feel like they're rising above. I look at them when they're having less stress on their plate, but they feel more defeated. And as far as I can tell, the only difference is their internal dialogue is what they're telling themselves. And I know you already knew that. Like I said, I don't have a secret. I don't have a magic spell. If anybody did, they would fucking use it. I promise you. That shit would be all over the internet within two and a half hours, and we all know it. Oh, you haven't used Kakazoo? You haven't used Kakazoo? What the fuck's wrong with you, son? I use Kakazoo, now I'm driving a BMW. What the fuck? Get on it. Look at how dumb the secret is, and then look at how far the secret spread. Spoiler alert, they never even tell you what the secret is in the secret. Assholes, I read the whole book. (laughs) The secret is they don't tell you what it is, assholes. The secret is they're like, buy the sequel. They'll tell you what it is in that one. Uh, Ah, George R. R. Martin, I've played this shell game before. Fuck you. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. It's exactly like the Dragon Scroll from Kung Fu Panda. It's exactly like the Book of Mirrors. It's exactly like... I, I don't have any new information for you. I'm telling you how I do it. I get to the end and win or lose... I tell myself what's good, what's bad, what happened. And good or bad, winning out, I tell myself that I'm proud. I tell myself to get him again. I tell myself to try once more, win or lose. And then I tell myself how to do it. Here's how you're going to make this next attempt. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what you're going to do when you're done licking your wounds. Here's what's going to happen. Get some sleep. We've got a big day tomorrow. And that's it. 
it didn't come automatically. It didn't come overnight. It didn't even come after one or two therapists. <laughs> but it did come. And it came because a long time ago I made a decision that you are what you choose. And I choose, chose to treat myself like someone who is going to keep going forward. Regardless of what happened that day or the day before or any other time. That's it. So there. I hope it helps. I hope as you go through this holiday season uh, that we are going to go ahead and 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 any time that you get anxious, any time that you get stressed, I want you to remember that you made it through your hardest day so far. I want you to remember that people do care about you and that you have value. I want you to remember that it's never as bad as your worst feelings. Yes? I want you to remember that you don't have to spend money to impress anyone but me. Mm-hmm. Nobody in the world needs any of your money to impress them but me. Mm-hmm. Yes, good lesson. Good. Very good. And everybody is at least a little bit insecure. Everybody is at least a little bit wanting something more. Everybody is at least a little bit envious this time of the year, too. It's a wonderful time of the year. Everybody feels those feelings to some degree. Totally normal. Totally natural. Remember to have fun. You can feel those feelings, but remember to have fun, too. I'm not trying to tell you to put your mental health on the shelf like an elf. <laughs> but I am trying to tell you that the feelings, the amplified feelings, positive and negative, people have this time of year, very natural. Or I have a lot of psychotic anonymous fans, and I have since the beginning, and their psychosis is my own. And I'm not really willing to accept that right now because I really like my fans. So, mm. uh, yeah. Yeah? Everybody good? Everybody better? All right. So one last thing. If you are having a hard time this holiday season, I'm going to have a little something before Christmas. Uh, it's not like a long talk part two, but that's exactly how you can think of it. Uh, I've been working on something. I've been writing something about depression uh, writing something about negative feelings and bolstering yourself and investing in yourself and that sort of thing. Um, so, 100%. Just want you to keep going. Want you to keep through. And I guess I'm going to do just a little, just a little final detour here before we get into the requests. Uh, so this is the final detour. So if you guys did want to do a quick quote, all you have to do is get those quotes ready. Uh, Ali will show you how. And then uh, you can come on in with that uh, quick quote. So this is my last little depot and drop-off before we get there, before we stop the, the rambling and pre-prepared portion of the show. So thank you so much for listening to this portion of it. Always a little embarrassed and always a little bit cheeky. <clears throat> the last thing that I wanted to talk about, kind of a subject change. The last thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, about my self-esteem rising, uh, about how I did it, 
uh, about how, how I'm getting here and what the reaction is. I have not gotten touched in 2019 the way that I want, and I want it so bad. And that can sound sad, and I don't blame anybody for feeling that way. It feels a little sad. But don't focus on that part of it, because what's much, 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 much more important than that is the fact that the self-esteem rising, all of the treating myself better, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, my cock is amazing these days. I don't know how else to put it. I, I, I still can't come four times rapid fire in a row for trial run four, but I did come six times in one day. I was bored, I was cold, I was miserable. Uh, I kept getting anonymous messages. So I did come six times in one day, though. And so that's pretty nice. But in addition to that, and I'm all alone, and nobody's here, and I haven't even touched a woman in a long, long time. And even with all of that true, my cock is just capable of being so hard and so sensitive. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to have to turn off my phone. I just said my cock is being capable of being so hard and so sensitive, and she went, oh. <laughs> All right, Google lady, you're a fucking horn dog, aren't you? Come here, you. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. So here's a brief little story that has never, ever happened before in my life. Ever. But I woke up. It's very, 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 very cold in my bedroom because I turn off the heat before I go to bed. And I woke up cuddled under the blanket. The cat's behind me. She's curled up behind me. So we're little tent buddies inside the blanket. And I'm facing the opposite direction as she's crooked behind me. And I'm just so fucking hard. God damn it. I'm just so fucking hard that when I... When I shake, literally like when I, when I move my hips, the sensation of my cock moving was too much. And so I grab my cock by the side, by the base, and I don't even know what I was doing, really. But I just kind of push it down. And the head felt so good against the cool sheet. And I just kind of started sliding it left and right. 
it slowly built up. I mean slowly. I mean really slowly. And I'm just, I'm half asleep. Or maybe even more than that. And I'm in this fugue state. And it feels so warm underneath the blanket and so good. And I'm just very, very carefully just thrusting my hips forward ever so slightly so that this little crescent moon, little spiral glass shape of my head, of my cock rubbing against the sheet continues. And I just think about all the dirty messages I had read from literally the 24 hours before. You know, just the ones I'd gotten that day. And I thought about just pussy. Just a pussy. I'd never thought about this before. Just a pussy. No woman attached. Just my cock going right inside it. Right that moment. And I felt it. And I was so close. I kept my head pushed down, I stopped, and I just started thrusting my hips very slightly, less than a centimeter, forward and back. And the ridge and head of my cock rolled over this sheet up and down in between this quilted area, between, uh, I don't know, tops of the pillow fragment of the mattress, the pillow top. And so it's a valley that meets between these two quilted squares. <clears throat> and as I push forward and move back, push forward and move back, push forward and move back, boom. I come. I have never done that before. It shocked me. It felt so good. I made a noise like I was dying so slightly, just... Ah, ah, And then I had to sit there and wonder what it meant that I just wanted to fuck a random pussy that bad. And that it was so arousing that there wasn't a woman attached to it. And that's when I realized that's exactly what I'd do to you. The difference being you all have a wonderful, wonderful pussy. Every man thinks so. But I don't just have this amazing voice. And I don't just have this amazing wit. I also have an amazing cock. And that was a really, really good feeling. So... That got me out of my little depression about not being able to travel for the holidays. And thank you so much for listening to it. If you were expecting a little bit of a joke or a segue at the end of that one, too bad. This was a beginning about self-esteem and how sexy I am. Thank you for listening. Let's go ahead and get that tip jar up. Thank you so much, Alan. And let's go ahead and get right on into them. <clears throat> Bend over, little girl. Good girl. <laughs> Home stretch. Keep at it. 
Of course I'll give you a massage. Where's the oil, baby girl? You've been a bad girl. Now bend over and take your punishment. <laughs> oh, that's it. That's my sweet baby girl. Mm, that's right, baby girl. Just like that. Just for me. Give me those lips, baby girl. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday, Guinea. Oh, you want to come for daddy? Buy me drugs. So, the labyrinth is a piece of cake, is it? Oh, why do you want me to be the Goblin King? I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm no Goblin King. I'm a Goblin Knight. Come on. Come on. Is that it for quick quotes? Is everybody done? We'll move it right along. We've got a lot of great requests tonight. A lot of really great requests tonight. Yes, baby girl, that's just how daddy wants you. Now, come for me. Are you watching me? <laughs> I hope you're enjoying the show. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay. I think that's going to go ahead and do it. Thank you to everybody who did participate in the quick quote segment. Everybody who came out tonight. Everybody who's listening now. Fucking pay me, won't you? Won't you fucking pay me? So I can say your names and read you all off. And everybody who tips, even if you say, don't say my name, and I'm really going to try very hard not to this fucking week. I really am. <laughs> I'm going to get it eventually. You encourage other people to do the same. Come on. Put some money in my jar, baby girl. It'll make daddy feel so happy. I know you got the scratch coming. Come on, baby. Go make that extra money in December. Give me that gingerbread. Give Santa, baby, that gingerbread, baby girl. Come on. Mm -mm -mm. Okay. Let's get right on into reading the poetry. We've got a lot of great poetry tonight. Uh, I haven't really looked through it very much, so... All I know is that we've got a lot of it, and I hope you're ready for it. Here we go. <clears throat> People often labor to attain what turns out to be an entrance to a small closet, or a deep pit, or sorrow, like a toothache of the brain. I wanted you, I fought you for yourself, I wrestled to open you, I hung on, I sat on my love, as the lid of a chest holding a hungry bear. You were what I wanted, you still are. Now my wanting feeds on success and grows like a cowbird chick in a wobbler's nest, bigger, 
by the hour, bolder and louder, screeching and gaping for more, flapping bald wings. I am ungainly in the love as a house dancing. I am a factory chimney that has learned how to play Bach like a carrion. I belch rusty smoke and flames and strange music. I am a locomotive that wants to fly to the moon. I should wear black on black like a Greek village woman making signs against the evil eye and powder my head white. Though I try to hide it, I burn with joy like a bonfire on a mountain, and tomorrow and the next day make me shudder equally with hope and fear. Arriving Marge Piercy P-I-E-R-C-E, Piercy. There we go. Okay. <clears throat> to know the earth on a first-name basis, you must know the meaning of river stones first. Find a place that calls to you and there lie face down in the grass until you feel each plant alive with the mystery of beginnings. Move in a circle until you discover an insect crawling with knowledge in its heart. Examine a newborn leaf and find a map of the universe so vast that only eagles understand. Observe the journey of an ant and imitate its path of persistence in a world of bigger things. Borrow a cloud and drift high above the earth, looking down at the smallness of your life. The journey begins on a path made of your old mistakes. The journey continues when you call the earth by name. Knowing the Earth. Nancy Wood. <clears throat> I do my best to keep pointlessness at bay, but here, wet above my knees, I let it fly. Here, hot and cold, fingers thick with thinking, I try to tie the fly and look for the net, loosening the philosophical knot of why I came here today, not yet knowing whether I'll free or fry the rainbows and browns once than mine. Trout by Catherine Starbuck. Well, I didn't, I didn't do that one justice. I got caught in the rhythm of it, but that's a beautiful poem. It's absolutely true. You fish first, and you figure out what to do with the fish second. That is a true story. <clears throat> We live in a modern society. Husbands and wives don't grow on trees like in the old days. So where does one find love? When you're 16, it's easy like being unleashed with a credit card in a department store of kisses. There's the first kiss, the sloppy kiss, the peck, the sympathy kiss, the backseat smoosh. And then we shouldn't be doing this kiss. But your lips taste so good kiss. The bury me in an avalanche of tingles kiss. I wish you'd quit smoking kiss. The I accept your apology, but you really make me mad sometimes kiss. The I know your tongue like the back of my hand kiss. The as you get older kisses become 
scarce. You'll be driving home and see a damaged kiss on the side of the road with its purple thumb out. If you were younger, you'd pull over, slide open the mouth's red door, and see just how it fits. Oh, where does one find love? If you rub two glances, you get a smile. Rub two smiles, you get a warm feeling. Rub two warm feelings, and you presto. You have a kiss. Now what? Don't invite the kiss over and answer the door in your underwear. It'll get suspicious and stare at your toes. Don't water the kiss with whiskey. It'll turn bright red and explode in a thousand luscious splinters. But in the morning, it'll be ashamed and sneak out of your body without saying goodbye. And you'll remember that kiss forever for all the little cuts it left inside your mouth. You must nurture the kiss. Turn out the lights. Notice how it illuminates the room. Hold it to your chest and wonder if the sand inside the hourglass comes from a special beach. Place it on the tongue's pillow. Then look up at the first recorded kiss in an encyclopedia beneath a Babylonian olive tree in 1200 B.C.E. But one kiss levitates above all the others, the intersection of function and desire, the I do kiss. Mwah. The all of you through a brick wall kiss. Mwah. Even when I'm dead, I'll swim through the earth like a mermaid of the soil next to your bones. Kiss. Mwah. The Archipelago of Kisses by Jeffrey McDaniel <clears throat> Goodness, you guys have really put some fucking poetry out for me. Oh, that's a neck crack. How often do you see a fucker fucking crack his neck before doing poetry? This is some shit. <clears throat> That's more preparation than Vin Diesel does for a role. Okay, here we go. Rise, O oh days, from your fathomless deeps, till your loftier, fiercer sweep, long for the soul of hungering gymnastic, I devoured what the earth gave to me. Long I roamed among the woods of the north. Long I watched Niagara pouring. I traveled the prairies over and slept on their breast. I crossed the Nevadas. I crossed the plateaus. I ascended the towering rocks along the Pacific. I sailed out to sea. I sailed through the storm. I was refreshed by the storm. I watched with joy the threatening maws of the waves. I marked the white combs where the careers go high, curling over. I heard the wind piping. I saw the black clouds, saw from below what arose and mounted. Oh, superb, oh, wild as my heart, and powerful. Heard the continuous thunder as it bellowed after the lightning, noted the splendor and jagged threads of lightning as sudden and fast amid the din 
They chased each other across the sky. These, and such as these, I elate, saw, saw with wonder, yet pensive and masterful. All the menacing might of the globe uprisen around me, yet there, with my soul, I fed, I fed content. Superculous. "'Twas well, O soul, t'was a good preparation you gave me. How we advance our latent and ampler hunger to fill. Now go forth to receive the earth, and sea never gave us. Not through the mighty woods we go, but through the mightier cities. Something for us is pouring now more than Niagara pouring. Torrents of men, sources and rills of the northwest, and you are indeed exhaustible? What to pavements and homesteads here, what were those storms of the mountains and sea? What to passions I witness around me today? Was the sea risen? Was the wind piping, the pipe of death under the black clouds? Lo, from the depths were unfathomable, something more deadly and savage. Manhattan rising, advancing with menacing front, Cincinnati, Chicago, unchained. What was that swell I saw on the ocean? Behold, what comes here. How it climbs with daring feet and hands, how it dashes, how the true thunder bellows after lightning, how bright the flashes of lightning. How democracy with desperate, vengeful post strides on, shone through the dark of those flashes of lightning. Yet a mournful wall and low sob I fancied, I heard through the dark in a lull of deafening confusion. Thunder on! Stride on, democracy! Stride on with vengeful stroke! And do your rise higher than ever yet, O oh days, O oh cities. Crash heavier, heavier yet, O oh storms. You have done me good. My soul prepared in the mountain absorbs your immortal strong nutriment. Long had I walked in my cities, my country rode through farms, only half satisfied, one doubt nauseous undulating like a snake, crawled on the ground before me, continually preceding my steps, turning upon oft, ironically, hissing low, the cities I love so well abandoned and left, I sped to the certainties suitable to me, hungering, hungering, hungering for primal energies and nature's dauntlessness. I refreshed myself with it only. I could relish it only. I waited the bursting forth from the pent fire on the water and air waited long, but now I no longer wait. I am fully satisfied. I am glutted. I have witnessed the true lightning. I have witnessed my city's electric. I have lived to behold man burst forth and warlike America rise. Hence, I will see no more the food of the northern solitary wilds. 
No more mountains roam or sail the stormy sea. O rise, you days, from your fathomless deeps. Walt Whitman <clears throat> May well-beloved was striped. Knowing my whim, she tore her tinkling gems, but not besides, and showed such pride as, while her luck betides, a sultan's favored slave may show to him. When it lets off its lively cackling sound, the blazing blend of metal crossed with stone gives me ecstasy I've only known, where league of sound and luster can be found. She let herself be loved, then, drowsy-eyed, smiled down from her high touch in languid ease. My love was deep and gentle as the seas, and rose to her as a cliff, the tide. My own approval of each dreamy pose, like a tame tiger cunning, she sighted, and candor with lubricity united, gave piquancy to every one she chose. Her limbs and hips burnished with changing lustrous before my eyes clairvoyant and serene, swanned themselves undulating in their sheen, her breasts and belly of my vine and clusters. Like evil angels rose my fancy twitting to kill the peace with which over me she'd thrown, as to disturb her from the crystal throne, where calm and solitary, she was sitting. So swerved her pelvis that, in one design, antelope's white rump it seemed to graft to a boy's torso merging fore and aft, the talc on her brow tan seemed half divine. The lamp resigned its dying flame within the heart alone lit up the darkened air, and every time it sighed a crimson flare, it drowned in blood the amber-colored skin. The Jewels by Charles Baudelaire We're going to have to put a cap on that one. I feel like we've done that one four times. <laughs> every time I can't get the fucking rhythm right off the top of my head. Da 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 It's just A B B A, but I can't seem to get it. It's just A B B A, but I can't seem to fucking get it. Why can't I do that? I don't know. Baudelaire, you sneaky bastard. Peace flows through me as the tide to the pool by the shore. It is mine forevermore. It ebbs not back like the sea. I am the pool of blue that worships the vivid sky. My hopes were heaven high. They were all fulfilled in you. I am the pool of gold when sunset burns and dies. You are my deepening skies. 
Give me your stars to hold. Peace by Sarah Teasdale T-E-A-S-D-A-L-E And that was poetry, so you definitely have to tip me because I gave it, I gave it, I gave everything I not so tip, gave everything I got so tip me. Uh, first person says, don't say my name. Use this towards buying a game that you really want to play. Thank you for all the hard work you've done this month. Onwards and upwards, thank you so much. You unknown, wonderful patron. I appreciate you very much indeed. Uh, Sierra, you sound amazing. <laughs> thank you. Yes, I do. <laughs> thank you very much, Sierra. I appreciate you very much. Julie, yes, you sound so damn amazing. Julie, my sound lover, I appreciate it and you very much. Is that all I get? So many girls here loving me. So little putting money in my bowl. I hope you're all saving up commissions. Otherwise, how will I ever buy a video game? Don't you ever want me to play another one again? I actually just played a video game that I hated. I got it for $15. I definitely don't want to stream it because I scream at it. I hate it. And I finally beat it, and now I have to wonder if I'm ever going to play it again, because I beat it. It's called Ratopolis, and I got it because someone said it's like Slay the Spire plus Kingdom. I've streamed both of those games before, and I thought, well, that sounds kind of interesting. I'll just play it a little bit, and then I'll see how that feels, and maybe I'll be able to stream this one. And then I got totally sucked into it. I had to play it for about six to eight hours, and I hated all of them. And I was winning, and I knew I was going to win, and I was, like, so grateful that I was going to beat that fucking game just so I never had to play it again. Just so I never had to fucking play it again. Have you ever been like that? There's something wrong with me. Why didn't I just stop playing it? But I was like, no, I have to beat you. I'm smarter than you. I can make the numbers go higher than you can make the numbers go, you dumb game. And I spent like eight hours doing that shit. What the fuck is wrong with me? I don't understand it. <laughs> uh, I'm a strange, strange man. <laughs> All right, we've got just one love letter tonight. I think I lied earlier and said there wasn't any love letter. I thought this was poetry. We've got one. But then I saw the title and realized this was a lever. So, here we go. <clears throat> Melina. I beg you once again to invent another possibility for my writing to you. You mustn't go to the post office in vain, even your little postman, who is he, mustn't do it, nor should even the postmistress be asked unnecessarily. If you can find no other possibility, then you must put up with it, but at least make a little effort to find one. Last night, I dreamed about you. What happened in detail... I can hardly remember. All I know is that we kept merging into one another. I was you. You were me. Finally, you somehow caught fire. Remembering that one extinguished fire with clothing, I took an old coat and beat you with it. But again, the transmutations began, and it went so far that you were no longer even there. Instead, 
It was I who was on fire, and it was also I who beat the fire with the coat. But the beating didn't help, and it only confirmed my old fear that such things can be extinguished in fire. In the meantime, however, the fire brigade arrived, and somehow you were saved. But you were different from before. Spectral. As though the drawn with chalk against the dark as you fell, lifeless, or perhaps having fainted from joy, and having been saved into my arms. But here, too, the uncertainty of transmutability entered. Perhaps it was I who fell into someone's arms. Franz Kafka to Melina Jenseska That was an interesting one. <laughs> Maybe he wrote so miserably because he had such crazy fucking dreams. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Thank you again to everybody who came out, everybody who tipped, everybody who requested, everybody who keeps these shows going during the off-seasons. You know everybody who listens to the shows but can't makes it appreciates you more than I can say. I know that I do too. Me and Allie look forward to this every single uh, end of the week. It's the live show. It's something that I do. It's something that I can do well. It's something that you guys enjoy. And, well, it just makes me happy to share it with you. I feel like a peacock with all my feathers out. Instead of the normal cock I just normally feel like. So, really and truly, thank you for being a part of this. It means a lot to me. Here we go. It's the first smut piece. She said it had to be quick and quiet. She said she needed it to know if my body could still slide into hers and if it still felt right, like us. If it worked, if I could still make her come and if she could still make me come. It had been eight weeks. I leaned over to her side of the couch and I kissed her lower neck, tasting a drop of sweat. She must have been nervous. I can be quick and quiet, I said. We walked to the bedroom and I stopped her at the doorway. I wanted to see all of her body, every piece of skin, not just her face, her neck, her hands. I asked if I could undress her. You're sure? She said, she must have thought I was being polite. I reached under her shirt, touched her lower stomach. I let my fingers stay a moment, grazing just inside of her pants, and then I lifted her shirt to her neck, and her breasts came out. She covered them with her hands, and I instinctively looked away, as if she was telling me only parts of her body could be seen. Not everything at once, not even though I'd been fantasizing about all of her flesh, fantasizing about kissing her legs, her thighs, her back for almost two months. I knew maybe I'd have to wait longer to actually touch with my lips. It wasn't fair to want her this much, I knew. She was doing something I would never understand, feeling something I would never feel. But still, that didn't stop me from selfishly wanting to press our sweating bodies together for hours on end and make her moan so hard I'd have to turn away. I wanted to fuck her brains out since the birth of our baby. We can wait, 
I said, I'm happy to wait. She unbuckled my pants and put her hand down the front. I could have come right then. Too quick, too quiet, I thought. I moved us to the bed and pulled down her leggings. We'd never had quickies. We'd always laughed at the term. We took our time in the bedroom because we could. So this was something new. And with a time limit, it oddly felt as if we also had to relearn each other. I put my hand between her thighs, and I let a few hairs tickle between my fingers. She was wet. She tried to pull me on top of her, but I stopped her. I wanted this moment only for her, for her to have this attention, everything. I could never come close to what she'd done is doing, but at least I could make her come so hard she'd have to pull a pillow over her face, quiet-like. My fingers slid up and down. She doesn't always like penetration with fingers. Mostly, she prefers my hands gliding over the lips of her vagina, sliding my two fingers lower, then spreading them, then lower again, then spreading them. Her breath became a pant, and her jaw tightened, always my silent cue that whatever I was doing felt right. I sucked the bottom of her ear and lightly exhaled so all she could hear was how much I wanted this. We'd been together for over a decade, married for six years, but still, this felt like the first time I was tasting the flavor of her neck. She grabbed my hand and pressed it harder against her clit. She lightly shook and bent out a low moan and breath. I watched her feet bend as they turned a lighter color. Then she guided me on top of her. I slowly slid inside, and she winced. I quickly leaned up, and, as if knowing I would ask if she was okay, she put her hands behind my head and pulled me closer, forcing me to face to her neck. It left no room for breath, let alone words. It was quick, and she knew she was making it quick. She knew it, and she smiled, and I started to tremble on top of her. I moved off and came onto my stomach. I reached onto the side of the bed that there was a burp cloth and butterfly-stuffed animal. I used my shirt. I've stared into this woman's eyes so many times after sex. She stared into mine. It's not always happiness in our eyes, as I imagine anyone in the long-term relationship would say. Sometimes there's anger afterwards, sadness, loneliness. And it's not because of the act, but because when you give yourself completely away, you don't have room to hide the littlest thing. I knew we were still the same. The baby cried from the living room. He'd given us fifteen minutes. She leaned over and kissed my forehead. I watched her leave the bedroom, her ass. I knew I would touch myself later thinking about her ass. Next time, I want to go down on you. I said, she didn't turn, but I heard her softly laugh to herself as the baby cried louder, another long, sleepless night ahead of us, just like the past eight weeks, with little to no quiet. Quick and Quiet by Sean Keneally K-E-N-E-A-L-Y
And Adrian, thank you so much. Well, smack my ass and call me baby soul, you luscious man. Mwah. Mwah. I absolutely would if I could. Thank you. Last chance to get a tip in for the show if you do want your name said out loud. Do appreciate you all very much. This is our last piece for the evening. So go ahead, kick back and enjoy. It's a little bit of a mid-length one, and I hope you've enjoyed the show. After spending our days drinking vodka by the pool, Cassandra returned to her hotel room, only to discover that she had been locked out. A cleaning woman eyed her suspiciously as she wandered the hallways wearing nothing but her bikini and a wet towel. Eventually, she remembered that Stephen was staying on the same floor. She shuffled his... She shuffled to his room and knocked frantically on his door. After a few minutes, Stephen stuck his head out and saw her standing there, shivering, hair still wet. Cassandra, disheveled, struggled to explain. I think I lost my room key? He kindly invited her in. His room was only dimly lit, with sections of newspaper strewn about the floor. He handed her a bathrobe. I'll make you some tea. She put on the bathrobe and took a seat at the small desk near the window. Wow, your view is so much nicer than mine. He chuckled. You can come by whenever you like. You're a true gentleman, she said. I'm sorry about all this. Not at all. I was actually hoping for some company. There was a brief silence as he poured hot water into the teacup. She admired his figure as he did so. He wore a black polo shirt with khakis and stood barefoot on the carpet. Cassandra had always thought of him as the sexiest guy in the office. He was refined, soft-spoken, and engaging. The two of them had shared a rather passionate embrace at the Christmas party last year, and she sometimes found herself musing on his relationship status. I hope you like Earl of Grey, he said with a dimpled smile. I like him just fine. She said in an exaggerated accent. He dragged the bedside table over to the desk and sat down on top of it. So, Cassandra, how do you like L.A.? She tried not to giggle. They talked and laughed and flirted for an hour. Stephen played 80s pop music from his cell phone. Cassandra came out of the bathroom twirling, the white bathrobe floating like a cape behind her. The lights of a nearby bridge shimmered through the window. Stephen was sipping whiskey from the wine glass. I love your hair when it's curly, he said finally. She gasped, covering her face with her hands. (laughs) Really? I find it makes me look so goofy. No, not at all, he said, rolling the ice cubes around in his glass. Strained hair is so... Business-like. Well, we're not in the office right now, so I guess we can do what we like. There was a smiling silence that hung between them for a moment, and Stephen placed his hand on her thigh. She leaned in and kissed him under the lamplight. His lips were sweet with the taste of whiskey. The kiss was incredible, their lips fused with sublime suppleness. The bathrobe came untied as they traded tongues. She felt his grip on her thigh. His touch was firm but restrained. 
After a few minutes, she took his hand and led him to the couch. The couch was small and sprinkled with floral patterns. Stephen sat down, but Cassandra remained standing. She shed the bathrobe coyly, her blue string bikini now dried. Stephen reclined, and she noticed the contour of his swelling dick in his khakis. She leaned over him, placed her hands on his upper thighs, allowing her breast to dangle in front of his face. She kissed him and said, I just dried myself off, and you're going to make me wet over again. Stephen grinned, closing his eyes as he grabbed his pants. She undid the button with careful dexterity and tugged at the waistline. He was wearing boxers in a tartan pattern with the head of his dick poking out the bottom. She She slowly climbed on top of him, wrapping her arms around his shoulders. They continued kissing fiercely with sensual groans, Cassandra grinding along his hardened shape as he pawed at her shapely ass. She broke away from the kiss and untied the strings of her bikini top, tossing it across the room. She revealed her perky, teacup-sized breasts. Stephen took her left one in his hand and brought the pink nipple into his mouth. Cassandra threw her head back in ecstasy, He lightly licked at her areola. She could feel her bikini bottoms getting damp again. She clumsily pulled off his boxers. His dick sprang up and took it in her hand. His girth was impressive, and Cassandra's hand looked small by comparison as she pulled it back and forth. You like teasing my cock? I do, she said with a shy whisper. It's so big. They kissed again, and she crawled over to him to the other side of the couch. Stephen took her ankles and jerked her curvy hips closer. She looked at him with curious anticipation. He tore her away at her blue bottoms in a forceful tug. Cassandra smiled, her frizzy blonde hair now glowing golden in the lamplight. Stephen eyed her pussy hungrily. She was partially shaven with only a small, dark tuft of hair. He loved it. He thumbed her glossed lips, peeled her apart like pages of a newspaper. He took her into his mouth and brushed her hand against his dark hair. Oh, fuck, she muttered. It seemed like forever since anyone had made Cassandra feel this good. Stephen weaved a wonderful knot with his tongue. Her ankles shivered with pleasure. He held one hand on the inside of her thigh and squeezed her breast with the other. Her breast was still wet with his saliva, and he softly pitched at the edge of her nipples. Cassandra stared down at Stephen's head. She held his hair in her fingertips. It was almost too much. She squirmed, feeling that he was close to coming. Stephen came up for air, brushing his bangs out of his face. They were both panting like animals. Cassandra turned herself over, feeling the fabric of the couch on her nipples. She hoisted her small, tanned ass into the air, sounding out of breath, and asked, Do you have a condom? Stephen did, of course. He he wasn't ready to fetch it just yet. Can we just focus on you a little while longer? Cassandra wasn't used to this. Foreplay usually felt rushed. It felt like an appetizer to the main dish. She always felt like she was meant to enjoy herself, but that the ultimate goal was for the male partner to come. 
but Stephen wouldn't let up. He licked her clit and slid his fingers inside her. Watching her in the state was making all the blood rush to his cock. He kept licking and playing until her toes curled, and she finally exploded in his mouth. He fucking loved it. Stephen walked over to the bathroom and returned with a condom, his dick saluting her as he walked. He tossed her the bathroom and she draped it over the couch, adjusting the placement of her knees. He applied the condom right in front of her face. He wanted her to watch. He wanted her to take him meticulously. Stephen seemed to hold his dick in his hand as though it was a dangerous weapon. Cassandra braced herself as she felt him gliding behind her. The couch seemed to creak. The music was still playing from his phone. She felt him tap the tip a few times against her spread out glistening in the lamplight, her pussy wet and ready. She felt Stephen's dick gliding outwards for a while before he slipped the head inside her. Stephen noticed her gripping the armrest. Tell me if it hurts, he said, and she nodded, feeling his fingers on a hip and the texture of the couch brushing against her tits. It was like a dream. Their bodies moved together in a timeless rhythm. He slowly eased his wholeness into her, and she rode him steadily into the soft glow of the lamp. Their skin now gleamed with sweat. Fuck, Stephen, you feel so good. Fuck me deeper. She commanded. She felt the slap of his hand against her ass. The sound of their fucking echoed through the room. Cassandra had to stabilize herself. She lowered her left leg until she felt the carpet on her back foot. Oh, God, she prayed. The tits were starting to sway back and forth, and she began to shout. She came a second time. She came with him inside her. Her spine cringed and curved. She cried until her voice ran out. Cassandra turned over and saw Stephen looming over her. He took off his condom and with his left hand he jerked himself off. She pressed her tits together, and he came all over them. She felt his warm, white cum fall generously all over her chest. She liked this a lot more than she expected. They stayed there on the couch for a while. Shen, Cassandra said, I can't stop smiling. They took a shower together, scrubbing the suds off one another. He lent her a large T-shirt. She hid herself in the bed and flicked on the television. Stephen handed her a menu. Okay, pretty lady. Let's get you some room service. The Business Trip by Kay Carney. And that was the show. Thank you so much to everybody uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Lisa, uh, you deserve all the treats. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you to everybody who did but didn't want anybody to notice them. Everybody who did say something and had something for me to read. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you being so brave. Thank you once again, everybody who came out, everybody who uh, requested anything. It's a little bit of a short show tonight. We didn't have as much of a crowd. Not that big a deal. As always, it's going to go ahead and be a little bit lesser out here during a holiday show, but there are shows all December long, so I do want you to come on out 
Fridays, 10 p.m. Eastern will be the typical one. I can't wait to see you there. If you miss me, Patreon is still going and rumbling right along. There was so much content available for $10 patrons in November. There was a 40-minute piece. There was a 30-minute piece. There was a 50-minute piece. There was a singing. There was rambling. There was all kinds of stuff, and there's going to be even more in December. Also, throughout all of December, Daddy is going to be running a commission and phone sex special. If you'd like to know more, it's $45 for as uh, little as $45 for uh, nine recorded minutes. You do get that in under a week. Again, the special is going all December. So come out. I'm eager. You hear how good I sound. You hear and what kind of mood I'm in. I hope the beginning of this conversation did mean something good for you and that you have a wonderful, wonderful December ahead of you. I've got a kitty that's trying to bust down the door because it's so fucking cold in here. She's going to try and eat me for warmth. I have to go. Thank you so very much for coming out. I do appreciate you. Allie appreciates you. All the ladies of the night appreciate you so very much. Thank you to the monitors. Thank you to everybody, everybody, everybody. I appreciate it. Let's have a wonderful and amazing holiday season, and see you soon.